Welcome to the WRT Sports all-new podcast for sportswomen, bringing you insight and analysis on major events unfolding and shining a spotlight on champions of women's sport on and off the field. We are deep into a month-long feast of football at the World Cup, 44 matches down, and now eight teams remain poised to battle it out for the ultimate prize. We're here to tackle the major talking points from what has been a special sporting spectacle so far. I'm Elaine Buckley and joining me is Jackie Hurley. Well, Jackie, how's your World Cup fever? I'm loving it. It's been absolutely amazing. I don't know if you'd have asked me a year ago, would I have thought that we'd be here or that it would have taken off so much in Ireland. But the one thing that I'm loving is that even being out and around, people are chatting to me about it all the time and... Oh, it's just such a special thing to be part of. It really is. Yeah, well, the, the main thing is that people are watching it on TV and we're also joined here by two of our RT soccer analysts who've been in the thick of the action as RT and TG Cahar have brought the FIFA Women's World Cup to Irish TV screens in its entirety for the first time ever. Lisa Fallon and Louise Quinn, you're very welcome to The W. Hi, How's thanks for having us. Well, it's happy FIFA rest day, everyone, but the tournament schedule being what it is, it's also match day minus one and we are on the brink of four epic quarterfinals and um, there's so much to look forward to but I think in order to look forward we got to look back first and just stop and take a minute to appreciate the tournament that we've had so far so yeah major moments from this World Cup so far Lisa what's your pick God it's so there's been so many and I, I'm not going to let VAR be my outs they're the, the major moment but it has been um, it's been very significant so far but for me in the early parts of the tournament it's been the stories of people and what they've had to do to get to the World Cup or teams that have never got there before and just the 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 impact that this World Cup will have on so many lives and so many countries and the potential of so many girls who can now aspire to play football at the highest level of the game and to just to have had the opportunity to be part of them getting to see role models because when I was growing up, I never got to see women's football, even though I ended up finding my way into into football. But for me, the biggest thing is how much of a game changer this tournament can actually be in terms of the next generation of footballers. And it, it's certainly a factor. And I suppose, Louise, being a, a current footballer, like what impact would that have on people who, with aspirations to play? It's it is it's just huge, and I think even trying to compare it to the World Cup of four years ago, it just there's there's hardly a comparison. I don't, maybe it even does feel that bit closer to home. Like literally, it was in Canada four years ago, and now it's very much you know it's in France, European. We're seeing everything, but I just think in general how just women's sports has progressed. So I just have to agree with Lisa on so many points there of that it's just going to be an absolute game changer and and again just the impact and again the impact yeah that I've seen gradually going through you know my professional career the more you know sometimes it was just younger girls coming up to me but now there's a variation of every source of person and you know last week I just had some young Arsenal fan about 11 11 12 year old lad and just straight away he was just like are you Louise Quinn who plays for Arsenal? And I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and, th- and that was it because he was just an Arsenal fan. You know, he's a supporter of the men's team, obviously now a supporter of the women's team and maybe overall. And, th- you know, that's where that's where I'm seeing such a difference and I'm being like, you know, that's that's massive to me then that it's just every sort of kind of person that is 
so interested in football and and asking you and you know coming up to you and you know not be not being afraid to do that as well and and I think that's so important um in Ireland as well to have as the same as that soccer role models that you can actually see kind of around the streets and just being very normal. TV does that though, doesn't it? You know, I even think if you look back on the Hockey World Cup last year, all it took was one day of them being on the TV for everyone to know their names. Mm. You guys go and you win the WSL and all of a sudden you're all over the Arsenal uh, Twitter pages, Mm. on their social channels. You're obviously on TV, on mainstream television. The, The Women's FA Cup final is on TV as well people are more recognisable because TV does that. I think that's why it's so important that people here have got the chance to see the World Cup. Okay, it's very disappointing Ireland aren't Mm. in it. Hopefully we get there when the next major tournament rolls around with the Euros. But I do think that showing it to people is the biggest thing because then all of a sudden you know you're Louise Quinns, you know you're Stephanie Roaches when they walk down the street because they've seen them on the telly. That's the biggest thing. And I suppose it's the nature of how it's being shown as well. And like I know it was something we were kind of conscious of in our own coverage. I think... Lisa, you were on on the first game that we showed. We chatted for about five minutes, bigger picture, but then it was into the football at hand. It's analysis of what's in front of you, the matches that are unfolding. And even the the, the first week, I think it was the the England-Argentina game, I was watching it at home on the couch as I would watch any other soccer match and Jackie was in studio presenting and I was just it just kind of hit me that this was the exact same coverage if I was watching England-Argentina play in the Men's World Cup and subject to the same critique, the same analysis and... That's I think that's been really special to, uh, to to put across. I think so too. And I think it's very... What, what's been really good about this is that the, the women's game has been treated the same as the, as the men's game. So the coverage has been the same. The level of analysis has been the same. And what I love is the, the fact the impact is the same because I haven't gotten a taxi in Dublin in the last two, three weeks where the taxi driver hasn't been talking to me and giving me his expert opinion on the Women's World Cup, which I think is amazing. People know, and I, I, you go to the hairdressers and they're telling you, oh, my little fella, he's watching it every day. And it's just the impact that it has, that reach that, and I think it, you know, it's, it's always been a bit of a chicken and an egg situation where, oh, we're not going to give women's sport the coverage because there's no demand for it. But if you give it the coverage people learn about it and they get to know it and they'll watch it and and that's that's the game changer and I think as well like I know you've made the point there about Ireland not being in this tournament but in some respects we are because we have the likes of Steph and Louise on there and that people who are watching actually get to relate to our players and understand who they are and I think it's amazing that people are going up and recognising you in the streets now and that's that means it's making a difference here for Irish football. We're also getting a glimpse of how hard it is to get into this World Cup because now we, when we look at the mm. quarterfinalists, Norway and Netherlands, two of the quarterfinalists, were in Ireland's qualifying group. And it's it's really important for, for Irish audience to know what it takes to actually get to a major tournament and how well earned it will be when the Irish team, I think it's, it's only a matter of time when they do make it to a major tournament, but for people to see that standard. Seven of the eight teams are European. Yeah. That'll tell you the dance. Mad. And like, and that's, you know, and that's it. It's kind of maybe part of that, you know, where you'd maybe hopefully want to then grow the tournament again and it's showing, maybe like, obviously I'm hoping they make more European spots available because, you know, you do, you look at even some of the teams that that are in there and, and I'm like yeah you know the the Irish team are better than we could we could compete we could 
be in there. But obviously, that's just at the moment, that's just the way of the game. But, you know, if it can be moved to 32 teams and, you know, hopefully more European teams are allowed in there because it's just it has just shown the strength of Europe as a whole. Um, but even just like touching back, I think obviously, again, we're not in there, but we are Ireland are the only country, I think, to show every single game free on television, which I think then is going to make a huge impact in itself um, in terms of then trying to gain support and gain all this traction that, you know, that we need. And, you know, hopefully if we can start getting that and then it's and then it is it's, it's up to us, then we have to be successful on the pitch. There's no doubt about that. That's the only way we are going to progress is if we are successful and getting into tournaments. So there's a lot of, you know, we've got to take a lot of that hit. But what I feel now, how the, again, how the country have taken it and how the media now have, have taken all of this is uh, is huge. So I think we've now got to back that up. They're starting, the media and all that stuff is starting to back us up and just football in Ireland in general. So now we've got to, we've got to do it on the pitch now. And we have seen, as I said, 44 matches so far. We've also been involved in, in the coverage of them in, in various capacities. But trying to pick the highlights of what we've seen so far, Jackie, what would be your standout game so far? Oh, God, uh, there's been so many. Um, I think watching the USA being really tested and having to go the absolute limit against Spain was great. I mean, the penalty is not a penalty in a lot of people's eyes, but the fact that they know how to win proves why they're such a dominant force. And I think getting to see them tested was a big one. Um, I thought the Norway-France game, because of the VAR stuff and everything that happened with angry Ingrid Engen, as they called her, which I think is an <laughs> awful thing to call somebody. But I, I think like there's been so many big moments that could have changed the whole trajectory of this tournament. Like if, if the USA go out, I mean, this whole tournament is, is, is turned on its head. If Norway beat France in that game, the hosts are suddenly on the back foot. So those kind of things. I also think, and I have to mention, I thought it was awful, but Scotland going out, my heart broke for them to be three goals up mm-hmm. with 15 minutes ago, 13, 16 yeah. minutes ago, 15, yeah. and then to go out like that's heartbreaking stuff. They're going to learn a huge amount from it. It's a big moment for the wrong reasons, but there's just been so many things that you just sit and go, wow, I'll remember that for a long time and that. But definitely for me, probably the USA for the moment being pushed to the absolute pin of their collar has been the highlight. What about yourself, Lisa? Yeah, I did that game and it it was, it was brilliant to see because we wanted to see could they be tested and, and, and it was just great to see them getting tested and what that does is that gives confidence now to everybody else that you know what maybe the gap isn't as big as as people thought and and that changes it because it changes the level of interest but for me I've I've actually loved watching Italy Italy for me have been really such an exciting team and the free-flowing football that they've played I've enjoyed I've enjoyed watching them immensely and they um you know they the way they play and the fact that so many of them have come from their own domestic league shows the work that's gone in to get them to this point and the way the Italian media and the Italian public have captured them into their hearts and especially in Italy where sport is such a, it's almost a religion there, you know, it's particularly football. But for me, I've just loved the Italians in this tournament. 
What about yourself, Louise? Yeah, and I, I think just one of the games I think I loved kind of watching and doing as well was the uh, Australia-Brazil game. Oh, yeah. Brazil 2-0 up. Australia to come back 3-2 was just... And like against the likes of the, you know, Brazilian players that were there, Formiga, Marta, Cristiano, you know, and that's it. You'd you'd easily expect them to just finish out the game. But then we found that fighting spirit that everyone keep, you know, kept talking about, about Australia and as a whole in general, I think across all of their sports, they're such, such a fighting team. And then to finally see that and then, and then again, Australia, Norway. So I've, I have loved watching Australia because I just think they've, they've been in some of the the more exciting games and you you know you're not sure what's going on it's it's going to going down to penalties again Sam Kerr st- one of the stars of the tournament and then just ballooning her penalty I think her penalty's still in the air yeah 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 <laughs> landed in Australia now yeah yeah <laughs> they but have they have been Australia like on I for me although sadly lo- no longer mm. with us team of the tournament so far in terms of sure sheer yeah yeah just drama. entertainment yeah. and drama. Like, first of all, Italy beating them in the first game. It's like mm. literally opening game of Group C. We got our first major shock. And then the comeback against Brazil. I mean, it was it was controversial. And then the, the, the last night of Group C where we had kind of the consecutive matches and Sam Kerr scores four mm. goals to take the second place in on goal difference. Like, And again, they produced such a good round. The pick of the round of 16 games against Norway. Yeah, yeah. We got our extra time. But my God, that penalty. It's just crazy. Oh, stuff of nightmares. Yeah. Stuff. And she won't forget it. Like it's it's that's one of them ones. It that that doesn't stay in a tournament. That stays with you for a long, long. Well, time. remember Stuart Pierce? Uh, was it Euro '96? Was it? And I mean something like similar. Like I mean, they're the ones that are talked up for history, and that's what's going to happen in the women's game because yeah. everything's there on the internet now. And yeah. I'm sure she'll be reminded of that for a long time. But but you're right, Elaine. They have been absolutely brilliant in this tournament. Yeah. That's probably my favorite group actually because yeah. I loved watching yeah. Brazil as well. And as you rightly said, yeah. Lisa, Italy were absolutely brilliant in this tournament. Still are and have a great chance of a nice run on the handy side of the draw as you would call it with the Germans mm. who I'm sure would love yeah. to hear that but yeah that's been my favourite group no doubt about it and yeah, Jamaica actually, as well the reggae girls just oh, like yeah. just <laughs> entertainment and like yeah. you know that's that was Bob Marley's daughter that's been a massive support of that team to get them to hear you know in terms of funding and stuff like that you know they were just yeah. and, and again they had a you know, a couple of a couple of stars there as well. That's is their nickname is a bunny. Is that bunny? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Go, like you know, and I just thought they were as again. So yeah, Group C loved that group. Yeah, actually, another moment I have from that group is Marta's post-match interview. Oh yeah, yeah. that for me was so so powerful. Mm. And I love the fact that she wore her lipstick and her, chose her colors, her reds and her purples. But that for me was one of the most powerful moments of the mm. tournament so far. Just that pure release of passion and a call to arms to, to girls to say, you know, we're not going to be here forever. You have to come out and you've got to take responsibility and put in the work to get to this mm. point and, and make that. And that for me, I love that. I actually loved that moment. The awareness that she had to take that opportunity though like you you've just been knocked out of the world cup and you've got this like 90 seconds in front of camera and a lot of the talk about brazil has been the fact that they're an aging squad and you know they need to they need to start thinking about replacements for formiga who's 41 it's but her seventh world cup seriously <laughs> like she just signed a two, new two-year deal with psg unbelievable like, I don't, I don't know. 
Well, I mean, Marta's only done five, like, you know, like, <laughs> she probably, only. yeah, God bless her, like. I think she'll be back. I think we'll be seeing her in the next one. You just, you just wouldn't, wouldn't doubt her. Yeah, um, group, enough. group A was another one that produced some, uh, some pretty spectacular um, outcomes for France. Lucky to top it in the end. I think so. Yeah, I think. Do you mm. know what? France were so good in their first game, but they haven't, they haven't actually hit the heights that they hit against the Korea Republic since then. Like I know we were all talking, going, "My God, France were brilliant that first night." But after that, they kind of, I don't know, did they peak too soon? Mm. But um, but. Yeah, I think France, but Norway for me, they were always my outside tip and I've, I've been really impressed with Norway. We're going to have an argument here over who made the earliest prediction that Norway were going to be the dark horse. Well, I, I, I always said I thought Norway, uh, just because everything that they're fighting against as well, you have to remember, obviously Ada Hegerberg isn't there. They've got all that going on in the background. There's so much talk about her. I'm sure the team are like, she didn't even qualify with us. Like, stop yeah. talking about her. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no better motivation than going out and sticking it to somebody. And then what happens to them in that game? They give away that penalty um, with Ingrid Engen. It's not a penalty. You know, it's a follow through. She clears mm-hmm. the ball. She ends up clipping. I think Torrent was it. And all of a sudden it changes the whole trajectory of that game. If Norway win that game, they top that group. I actually thought, I think Norway, to me, have been one of the best teams to watch. And... I don't know. I mean, I think they'll give England a bit of bother. I don't know if they'll beat them. But I mean, for me, I I think they have been definitely, I think they have been the the better team in that group. Louise, from your experience of of playing Norway, are you... um are you surprised to see them at this juncture in the tournament or would you have thought they they were top eight team? No, I I think I would have thought they would have got this far and they have that... um you know, the history of doing that in tournaments, they always just seem to be a strong suit. And I think at the time that we did play them, uh, you know, they they weren't at their strongest at that stage, but you could just, you could see. So in the first game I went off after 30 minutes, broken nose and all that, but I was... The mask, uh, who could forget it? The mask, the mask. I I spent hours with (laughs) some guy in Norway just sticking hot plastic on my face trying to get that ready for the second game. (laughs) Oh, it was... Sounds like a great afternoon. (laughs) It was lovely, yeah, yeah. but, you know, so in, in that first game, then it was, you know, they did, they just, they dominated and completely, that's the thing, they they capitalise on other teams' mistakes, which I think other teams haven't done. Like in, you know, they're they're getting the chance and then they're not taking it. Whereas in Norway, I think as soon as you kind of make that mistake, they're, they're on it. And then, yeah, the second game, the second game again was was a lot tighter. And, and again, maybe that's just down to, the certain opponent they think they're playing, you know, probably thinking that they do have have a good, you know, a good beating us, and then and then they beat the Netherlands in our group. So that's you know that's they automatically they got the top spot in our group, and you know, and I think that for them was probably that then was for them the defining game where they're just kind of like yeah, you know, we we've beaten the Netherlands now, the current European champions, and then that momentum then has just kept going and going and it's it's, it's you, you just look at the names on in their squad and that's the thing it is very much a squad they bring on you know a couple of the the younger players and they're just that's what I just think overall and you could even see actually the end of the the penalties or or the start of the penalties Australia ready to line up but they're in a group huddle they're making sure they're talking to each other probably is in pick your spot go for it like you know don't worry we're all we're all in this situation together just do your best. That's what I can imagine what's being said, you know, being in a huddle like that. And I think, again, that was that was very powerful. And I think it was 
Angry Engen or whatever <laughs> who posted that picture that I saw and I was but I was just very impressed and you know cool and calm and then they you know easily won those penalties against Australia. They've had um, Carolyn Graham Hansen seems to be um, generating a lot of talking points from people from people who are, are maybe tuning into this tournament for the first time, and she will continue to to dazzle no doubt against England. But I suppose of the teams that have left the tournament so far, is there any that have worked their way into your World Cup starting eleven, based on their performances up until their demise? Mm. Any players? Yeah, I'm I'm always going to put in. Um, Kim Little, Scotland. Mm. She's just she what what's make teams tick. And I know it didn't necessarily happen for Scotland and but she's just you know, she'll always she's she's the first name down on my list, I think, you know, all the time. I'd probably stick Jennifer Hermoso in. I know she she had a quiet group stages, mm. but I think how she took it to the USA the other night was just so exciting to watch it's like you're presented with this like juggernaut of international football the first time you're playing you're playing in the knockout stages of a World Cup and to score an absolute screamer like that mm. I know it, it was pouncing on a mistake but like oh, the finish was still yeah, there and I brilliant. I'm kind of sad that we don't get to see her play I again. thought Spain were great as well by the way I actually thought they, they had were. a really good tournament mm. you know I mean even in the Germany game I thought they played some really good football I mean I think they've probably closed the gap a lot in the last four years I think a lot of people will look at that Spanish team and think maybe they are actually merging even just with the Olympics in mind as well you know yeah, and the fact that Real yeah. Madrid now have brought it you know yeah. bought the license to have a women's team next year is a further sign of the the progress that's been made there and the fact that Barcelona were in the Champions League final against a really really good Lyon team so it's you know the progress is being made there and you you could we could we could start to see that in this tournament you could even see the the sp- the front of the Spanish newspapers yesterday like all the all the major sports um sports pages in Spain had full page pictures of the Spanish players so like they have made that impact although they're not in the top eight they have certainly made an impact and they're going to be such a one to watch it going in, going into the next European Championships you wouldn't want them in your group yeah yeah oh no definitely not yeah and you know we've we've played against them and I think it was w- just one of the most knackering games I've ever played like just how how they can keep the ball and what we've seen exactly how they keep the ball and then it was it was trouble once they were getting in the final third of just finishing chances but then exactly I felt like then we then did finally see it in the last game where Lasada was back in and I think she again she's just one of those players that does all the dirty work is very is very skillful that like she's the captain of Barcelona like you know and she's she's not in that position just because you know and she's bringing her team to to a Champions League final and then she's being left out of the squad you know she didn't play all of Spain's games and then she plays against USA and then she unfortunately has to go off injured um, you know and and and, beca- and I think it was because of that and Hermosa was much higher up the pitch and that's it you're scoring goals like that and then that's what Spain were missing Yeah Luz, I thought Lasada was really really good in that game because yeah. she stopped Julie Arts from yeah, getting on yeah. the ball yeah. and Julie Arts is such a pivotal player for the United States mm. in terms of coming in getting on the ball mm. and dictating the play and I think the very first challenge in the game Lasada was in on her straight away and she let N- Julie Arts mm. know she was there and for me she was a massive yeah. loss when she went off because that's when the United States started to just get a little bit more of a hold in midfield yeah. but then Julie Arts got her got back at her and that was it I think yeah. it was a, a shoulder it was an awful black eye as yeah, well one yeah, of the dirtiest black, black eyes so I've seen. she did she got yeah. you know she, she did could, she could sense that 
Masada was starting to... It was a right battle between the two of yeah. them. It really was, yeah. It certainly was. And we are looking forward to quarterfinals that are all going to be right battles. Like when, when you look at them on paper, it's just like four absolutely incredible matches to come in the days ahead. We'll just have a chat through them kind of in, in, in order as we're going to see them. Um, first up is Norway versus England. And that is going to be an absolute belter. Like it's 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 just so exciting that the potential matchups in this game and yeah, how tactically it's it's gonna play out, it's gonna be fascinating. I think it'll be interesting mm. to see if Steph Houghton is alright as well. She got a very nasty boot to the shin. If mm. England don't have their captain for that game, now I'd be shocked if she doesn't play because it's a World oh, Cup yeah. quarter final, you gotta play. So. But she was badly hurt. She didn't even do the press conference after the game. Um, which would make you think that either mm. she was really annoyed, which I'm sure she was mm. after. I mean, Phil Neville lost the absolute head afterwards. Um, a little bit over the top in my opinion, but anyway. Agreed. Um, but I think if they don't have her, that's a big blow. But um, oh, I'm so looking forward to that game. I know. And I, I just think it's, you know, I've, I feel like she's, you know, she's definitely going to be playing. She's going to do whatever it is. And, you know, and hopefully that's it. It did hopefully in the end only turn out to be kind of studs down the ankle that's all hopefully yeah. anyway do you know what I mean you're hoping that there's no ligament you know damage there but yeah and I, I just think the the organisation and then the aggressive style of play that Norway play it's going to it is going to trouble England I feel like will they be able to you know do their kind of like I feel, I feel like at times they are sometimes trying to play like Man City in bits and that's even what I've kind of heard they're trying to do that kind of just obviously a lot of ball possession a lot of playing from the back and this that and the other but I just feel I feel like Norway will be so so organised and I feel like that's I think they've gone into tactically each game probably one of the strongest you can see kind of their game plan and I think they will really try to to void out England but if that right side of Lucy Bronze and Nikita Paris can go for it. That's you know that's gonna that causes everyone trouble. Yeah, when it um, when it when it clicks down that right side, mm, it's pretty spectacular to watch. Oh, so good. Um, Lisa, do you reckon England's experience against Cameroon in the round of sixteen is there going to be a bit of a hangover from that? Like you know, I think for me, this game is one of the most evenly matched games in terms of tactically, physically. Um, their kind of styles of play, they're both very strong down the right-hand side. So with Caroline Graham Hansen and mm. Vald on that on that Norwegian right-hand side, they're very strong. So I think, and in midfield, they've it's a very evenly matched battle in the centre of the park when you look at the players that are in there. Um, I think that where this game will be won or lost will be across the front three. Ellen White has been brilliant for me in this mm. tournament so far. But then you look at Utland and Herlovsen and the impact that Caroline Graham Hansen can have as well. Um, I just think if you if you take a kind of a, a helicopter view of them, of both teams, they're actually quite similar mm. in many, many respects. And for me, to pick up on your point about the Cameroon game, there was a lot of emotion in that game for England. And... An emotional release is very fatiguing and very draining because it makes and a game like that makes you think about things that happened in the game that you're not necessarily normally thinking about. And so there's a game like that brings a weight of, of additional baggage, shall you say. So it's how quickly can they park that game and refocus on it 
and focus on Norway, whereas Norway are quite clinical. They're very efficient. Um, and England will have that more emotional baggage with them in this game and, and pressure. Mm. There's be a lot more pressure on England in this game than there will be on Norway. And, and I think that'll be really interesting, particularly if Steph Halton is not 100%. And I'm not sure she could possibly be 100% in terms of the time frame because if that ankle swelled up, Louise, mm. you know yourself, she's probably got it in an ice bath. She didn't train yesterday. Mm. She'll be in a boot. And it's it's a question of what percentage is she going into that game? They also had a turbulent week on the way into it. I don't know if you heard about this, but they flew from one destination to the other. They got trapped in an air pocket and basically the plane started to nosedive and like three or four players started having panic attacks and everything. Mm. They had to be medically assessed when they got off the uh, the team flight. So, I mean, there was a couple of interviews after that where they, you know, they were saying we're not flying anymore. We've made a, a team decision that we are now traveling on buses around France. And I mean, it all adds to the turbulence, excuse the pun, oh, of that's been around this England camp. And then, you know, your coach is flying off the handle on the pitch. I think they're under pressure. I think it's a very difficult week if you're an England fan. But it's his mm. first tournament as well. Yeah. And yeah. It, it, he's learning as he goes as well because, as you say, he was very emotional after that. His interview after the Cameroon game was quite emotional. Mm. Um, and for him, it's a learning curve too. But sure, has he, he didn't even get there then in the end as a player. Wasn't it? So no. he, gave, he gave a speech and he just kept getting cut at the last yeah. 25 or... Or 28 or so. So it is. It's even just that whole experience of being in camp for that yeah, long. Yeah, and everything. Yeah, yeah. Completely, yeah. you know. It's an emotional journey for him as well as the players. Oh, but we saw like his post-match interview after the Cameroon game. Like I, I understand, I suppose, the anger that was there because he'd just seen his captain completely taken mm. out of it and lying in agony on the, on the, on the grass in front of him. But as to carry it over. stepped over. Well, yeah. But and the, Tony Duggan got spat on. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was bad. It was bad. But then the whole post-match press conference, he kind of assumed this mantle of defender of women's football and, and just carried it on and on and on. And you just get the feeling that, like, you know, Norway went the distance in their round of 16 game. They had a tough test too, came through, won it on penalties and then straight away parked it onto the tactics board for, for the next thing. That's experience. But I agree. I just feel with England are, go are going to feel so hard done by, by by what unfolded on Sunday that they maybe have lost a bit of the prep time going into this and Norway could potentially capitalise on that. And th that's what I was saying about the emotional baggage of that game. It's how quickly they can park it and that comes from the manager for me. He needs to be the one that just goes, that's it, it's done. We've got a game to focus on now. We got through that one. and we. But I'm not, it, because they didn't detach from it quickly in, in the immediate aftermath... You just have to hope that it it hasn't lingered in camp. They definitely have the quality. There's no question yeah. about that. It's mm. just how they deal with all of that. For me, that that's the biggest thing. If you put the two teams on paper, I think they have the better team. But uh, it's it's going to come down to how well Norway managed them and and what. It, I, I mean, I do think we could go the full distance, extra time, and penalties in that one, no problem. Mm. But I think England have the quality. And England do not have the greatest track record in penalty <laughs> shootouts as a nation. So we'll all look forward to that one if it happens. Going on to Friday night then. And it's it's the match of the tournament that everyone's been eyeing up since we saw the draw. France v USA on a Friday night in Paris. What an epic that is going to be. 
Oh, I can't wait. I'm on this I, one. I cannot yeah. wait. I was like, the minute I saw the tournament draw, I looked yeah, yeah. straight at it and I was just like, oh, I hope I'm on that one. It's going to be amazing, isn't it? Yeah. I, I, yeah, and I just don't know what's going to happen. And just, But at the moment, I just think USA have maybe just that bit of better momentum and again, even maybe the that bit of luck they needed. I know they didn't score an open play from the other day, two penalties, but again, that's just maybe that bit of luck has been on their side or the referees or whatever you want to call it. And, but this is just going to be so, and I, and I feel like that's it. I feel like even France have known as well, right. We will have USA at this stage too. So I, I actually just don't know what's going to go on, but the quality of players all over the pitch is actually just going to be ridiculous. Megan Rapino called it a circus. Yeah. She was like, this game is going yeah. to be a circus. She used another word as well, which I won't use here. But um, <laughs> I think that's exactly what it's going to be in Paris. Mm. You know, I mean, even the USA players are excited about this because they recognise that this is the moment for women's football. Mm. I, I genuinely believe that. I think this is the biggest game of the tournament bar the final. Yeah, I agree. And, and just to pick up on M- Megan Rapino. She did an interview that I saw this morning, I think it was. But she said, we expect to win every game. She said, if there's 10 minutes to go and we're 2-0 mm. down, we still expect to win the game. Mm. And that's where, Louise, where you where you talk about picking up on your own, you know, that getting that bit of luck. You have to make your own luck in mm. these games. And I just think they have that experience and the depth they have off the bench is is unreal as well. Like it's but what a game this is going to be. It's Do you know in that same interview, one of the things I loved about Megan Rapino in that interview that you're talking about, she says it's going to be the biggest game of the French players' career. Oh, <laughs> I.e., wow. they're going to play us, and then we're going to go and win the tournament. But I just I love that she's bold enough she's to say great, that yeah. as well. I mean, and look, I mean, there's a reason why she's one of the best players in the world. But I just thought it was a nice little yeah. dig as well. It was good, and I love the fact that she's come from three cruciate ligament injuries oh she's incredible like she, she talks the talks and walks the walk well, she, but that's everything. the thing she walks the yeah, walk yeah. Like I heard um, Rihanna Jarrett telling a story that she writes to every player who does their cruciate she wrote to Rihanna mm. to tell her like you know here's mm. what I did here's my training regime and, and all that how I recovered I think that's pretty amazing legacy as well for like any young player that happens to do a cruciate when the one of the best players in the world writes to you I think that's an amazing thing that she does as well. Big time. And Team USA and, and Rapino in particular have this intense focus on them that is about so much more than football as well. And they are under pressure to win this World Cup. They have come to France to win the World Cup. But this is the major stumbling block that could be there for them. So it's it's kind of like, where where on the pitch is this going to be won and lost, Louise, do you reckon? Well, that's even, again, something that was, I think, some when one of the French players did an interview or someone did an interview and it was like, you know, how, how are you, how are you feeling? Are you fatigued? What's going on? They're kind of like physically, I think we actually feel all right, but it's, it's the mental side of everything. Cause, and, that, and that's even, I think in some of the games they have looked fatigued and, you know, looking just that bit, almost like it is a fitness thing, but it can totally be a, the mental side, the pressure of being the host, the pressure of, again, Leon always being the you know their Champions League winners and you know the majority of that team are in that starting eleven, so to me it could it could be again one of those mental battles and if and if that's if that is the case USA or I think will dominate that on that side definitely and 
that's the thing Megan Rapinoe she's been saying the right things and I feel like that's the thing they can back it up because that's all USA are used to they're, they're only used to pressure they're only used to being said well you could win this tournament do you think you can they're like well yeah of course we can because look at all the trophies we have and all the medals we have so yeah on the mentality side I feel like USA could get that but you know again France they're they're gonna they're just gonna have to figure out how to lap up that pressure and and go for it and I'm sure they have you know every source of sports psychologists in there as well trying to you know trying to help them out and and get them across you know the finish line because it is it's it's just it's one of the biggest games that they could that, and that's probably it Rapino is probably right it's probably the biggest <laughs> game in their career she's just so right and it is France do have form in um falling apart at this juncture mm. in, in major tournaments. the only thing I would say about France is that they have in Corinne Diacre an incredible manager and if there's anyone who knows about pressure she does because she was the first female manager to take a men's team in France and she knows what pre- if anyone knows what pressure is she does um, because she had the world's eyes on her when she took her first game so I'd say in that respect that experience for her I think she'll be very, very valuable to her players in that respect in terms of dealing with the spotlight and dealing with that pressure. I also think they have the best player of the tournament, Amandine Henri. She Mm. has been, without a shadow of doubt for me, the player of the tournament. She does everything right. She got the winner for them in the last game. When they need a captain to step up, she is the one. I mean, Mm -hmm. she has hardly put a foot wrong. And for me, that midfield battle, I mean, watching Sam Mewis with her back to ball, just the way she turns, the way she spins, Rose Lavelle, the way she plays, the Mm -hmm. way she moves that American team. For me, that middle third and how crowded it gets, I mean, USA need Alex Morgan to start scoring goals if they're going to win this thing, but they definitely need to win that midfield battle as well, I think, for me anyway. Yeah, and that's and I think that's it. Has Alex Morgan again? I think that's maybe some of her weaknesses have been exposed just in that, as in if you just get, get in her back and get in her face, she's she's not happy about it. She's been taken off early in, in the last two games because of that. And she's... She's yeah, she scored five goals, but that was in the first game against Thailand. She hasn't scored since. So yeah, again, they need her to be ticking, but then to have someone like Carly Lloyd taking her place, you know, it's basically pretty much That's a straight. Half the a straight, problem, straight, though, yeah, looking at seeing her warming yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. And um, the wings will be one to watch in that one as well. I think two of the players, two of the players of the tournament for me have been Tobin Heath for USA, just incredible. But Diani for France and what she can create. Mm. It's ju- you saw it the other night against Brazil. At one point, Formiga just actually just stuck her leg out in front of her because <laughs> she had already beaten two players, and she was like, "No, nah, I'll take the card." Mm. So um, yeah. I think this has been a great tournament for wingers. Yeah, like mm. there's been so many really impressive wing, wing play, and I include the fullbacks in that because I just think that's been one of the really, really good aspects of it. Like you look at any of the teams that are in the last day, they've all got really good wingers and fullbacks who like to get forward. And looking forward then to uh, to Saturday's games and a double header of European derbies we've got in store: Italy versus the Netherlands. How is that one going to pan out? I'm. Personally, I'm still pipping the Netherlands. And like it, it was, it was said a lot of last night, you know, if Italy are watching that game and they're seeing Netherlands, they're going to be like, yeah, we have a great chance. I just think, and I even maybe bits weren't working in that game, but I just think the quality even of that game, Japan-Netherlands, sometimes they were cancelling each other out. And then sometimes there was, you know, second half it was, it was all Japan. I think the first half it was evenly matched and even for Japan to kind of get that goal towards the end of the first half 
I was like, oof, like this is, you know, massive turning point. But I still just think the quality that the Netherlands bring when when they switch it on and, and that's it. It's about can they switch it on. But but you see them on the train yeah. and switching it on all the time. So you know personally that they can do it. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. And you see the likes of, you know, Vivian Miedema and it's, that's the thing. She does look like she's not doing much for a lot of the time. And even sometimes I think that and I'm like, Come on, Viv. Like, get your let. Let's go. But then she'll do something. She won. She won the controversial penalty for them last night, and they're the little moments that she has that makes her so good. And still, does she do that at Arsenal as well? Like, disappear for a little while and then just pop up with something, though. Oh yeah, all, like all the time. And you know, and that's a time. Like, and she does. She she sets it. She sets a tone. And I think you know even. Coming out and that's and she does she has to she has to take a lot of pressure she's you know she's one of them that has to take kind of the the pressure of the nation I know Licky Martins is is there and has been you know crowned player of the year and world player of the year and but she's the one Viv is the one that has to has to take that and she's twenty two she do like and that's it sometimes she acts like she's thirty and then sometimes she acts like she's she's 22 well when you scored 60 international goals and you're 22 it's outrageous the record uh, she's, it's like she's bloody she's cool as anything though she's horizontal in the box at times sometimes I'm like she's not even moving but she just she turns you inside out on your back and then you know has just her strike of the ball is just and she reads that's like she reads a defender all the time like she'll get to a certain area of the box she maybe then fake a shot so like as a defender you have to go to try block or win the ball but then she'll absolutely ping it between your legs into the bottom corner and then you have the likes of her teammate Sari Van Vielendal giving out to you in training but I'm like I can't stop that <laughs> like I can't like because she reads your body language she knows what you're doing almost before you're doing it like she's so intelligent it's I actually think that's going to be one of the most interesting battles in this game is her battle with Sarah Gama yeah. because Sarah Gama yeah, for me yeah. has been the most impressive centre half yeah. in she's the tournament she's very aggressive and she, Viv doesn't that's the thing yeah. that's where again that's where Viv will struggle if you get in in on top of her and get in a few tackles against her and that's it some days it works and some days it doesn't but Sarah Gama she's so full of energy as soon as yeah. she tackles someone she's up and she's back in her position but her she, positioning and the yeah, way yeah, she yeah. reads the game yeah. like she I thought she was so good. Like she, mm. she has this innate ability to get herself into the right place, and mm. her awareness of where people are around her mm. is exceptional. And uh, for me, that's going to be an, uh, a battle yeah. that I'm really, really looking forward to and seeing. In this like game. she just makes the right. Like sometimes she'll just hit Rose Ed with it because she knows. Okay, yeah, we're under a bit of pressure here. I just want to get rid of the ball. You know, we'll set up. We'll let them have a throw in, and then we can set up how we want to set up. So it's like she makes the right decisions sometimes she can be a little bit gung-ho where she does get a bit too ahead of it but just it like as in general overall yeah I've been very impressed with her yeah and the Netherlands having that target on their back as the reigning European champions as well adds kind of another interesting uh, interesting spin to it that'll be followed by another European derby of Germany v Sweden it's I think we'd all agree it's probably not the glamour tie of the, of the quarterfinals it's, do you know what it feels like Germany aren't even in this tournament yeah, nobody's yeah. talking yeah, about yeah, them yeah. they're the yeah. world number two it yeah. is unbelievable and yeah. I know one side of the draw has so many heavyweights on it it's hard not to focus on that 
I'd say in a way Germany are happy out just sitting here. They'll be in a semi-final, mm-hmm. no doubt about it. Yeah. I, I mean, they're going to beat Sweden for yeah, me, no question. So. Um, and all of a sudden they're in a World Cup semi-final and hardly anybody said anything about them. I know they lose their star player in game one and everything happens with Marjan and everybody's yeah, wondering, yeah. is she all right, is she not? But... I think they will be quietly very happy with the way this tournament has progressed. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and that's the thing it, where it is that Marzan could be available at least to play some parts. And that's just going to be... she. She's like the, the Henri for France. She's the one that makes them tick as well. And just, you know, she's everywhere and she creates moments when there isn't even anything there to, you know, create. She, she just... She brings... She makes Germany Germany, and if they can get her back, that's just, and and at this stage, because as well, yeah, I think they'll, I think they'll be Sweden as well. I don't think, and again, I do. I have a, I definitely have a a soft spot for Sweden, but just in terms of getting, yeah, past Germany at the moment, that quality at the moment, unless they produce a game like they did against USA back in the Olympics, where their game management was incredible, and even going forward, but I just think, yeah, I think. As much as we haven't been talking about Germany, I think Germany will take that one as well. Yeah, and I think it's interesting that Marjan's broken toe, nobody knows which toe it is. So nobody knows. It's got to be our big one, surely. But I mean, your baby toe doesn't keep you mm. out for three games, though, surely. But, but would they toe, risk it? Yeah, if it's a middle toe, they could strap her. They could strap them t- together and, and splint them up. Yeah. But if it's the big toe, the she's out. Compact on yeah. the ball, though. That's yeah. The thing. yeah, it's... But if then running could be absolutely fine. But then every time she kicks, yeah, it's just a. And then they probably didn't from... need to risk her, yeah, up until yeah. this point. Yeah, yeah. And then you, they might be looking at this game, thinking, "Do we need to risk her in this game?" It's a knockout game, though. I know, mm. but I still think, having seen Germany, like I was really impressed with them in their three nil game against Nigeria. I thought they were really good. They. I, that was the first time in the tournament I thought we actually started to see Germany getting into their stride a little bit and Pop came into it more she did yeah yeah. they, they had it won in the first 30 minutes though like yes really they did job like, done they, and they, they've come out of a tough group and they haven't really been tested beyond that and it's it's you know it, it could be a potential shock like you know I, I can't be. see it. No. I genuinely can't see it mm. if you ask me to pick all those quarterfinals the one that's the most straightforward to me is that one well mm. You reckon Germany are in. Which other three teams are going to be joining them in the semi-finals, Jackie? Uh, oh, okay. For me, I am going to say that England are going to beat Norway. I think USA are going to beat France. And uh, Italy-Netherlands to me is the hardest to call. I mean, I, as much as I have loved Italy, I'm not sure that they have the amount of quality to be able to deal with that Netherlands team. So I'll slightly give Netherlands the, the benefit there. But it wouldn't surprise me if Italy pulled off a big shock there and definitely Germany to be Sweden for me. Okay, Louise? Yeah, that's my same, but I'm I'm struggling between Norway and England. I think that's the one that I can't pick out. Cards on the table. Who's going to win it? I'm I'm just going to go England because if I don't, I'll be... <laughs> you can't go hurt. home. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. But then at the same time, Norway were in a group and I, you know, you want them to do well, but no, I'm going to go England, USA, Netherlands, Germany. Lisa? I'm going to go England, USA, Italy and Germany. Ooh. Ooh, Mm. twist. Elaine? (laughs) England, France, Netherlands and Germany. All European final four. I I have this blind faith in France. (laughs) 
which is really not really based on anything factual other than me wanting them to beat USA on, on, on Friday night. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go for the, the four European sides mm-hmm. and uh, and go from there. And finally, one last big prediction while we're here. Who's taking home the trophy? USA. USA. I'm going to say England. Oh, and the reason I'm going God. to say England Twist. is... <laughs> the reason I'll say England is because... I think if England can get past Norway. You think they beat USA then in a semi? Or France? Well, I just think this is the one that they have to do it this time around. I'm not certain they will, <laughs> but I just think they have the best chance based on the squad they have. You're right. It is a huge chance, definitely. Chance, but yeah. man, what mm. a side of the draw that is. If you're England, yeah. you beat Norway and then you're looking at France, USA on a run into a final and then maybe Germany in a final. I'm knackered thinking about it, so yeah. I don't know how they feel. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is all ahead of us to look forward to in the coming days. Big thanks to Lisa and Louise for joining us to look back on what has been a gripping World Cup so far. And don't forget, you can see every single minute of the remaining action. That's extra time penalties, the whole lot on your TV screens between Orti and TG Cahar. Share this episode of the W far and wide to spread the football fever. And don't forget to hit subscribe wherever you get your podcast so that there's going to be some great listening coming your way down the line. Thanks for joining us and enjoy the rest of the World Cup.